get the load I'm hauling. Hard work, I hit it harder. Ain't nothing new for a backwoods farmer. Sun up to sundown, backing up traffic all the way to town. Camo hat and a farmer's tan. Welcome to Fast Line Fast Track, presented by Fast Line Media Group, your innovative consumer resource and marketing partner of choice for the evolving agricultural community. Now, here's your host, Brent Adams. Welcome to episode 43 of Fast Line Fast Track. We're thrilled to have you all with us. On this episode, we'll take you back to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky, to talk with more exhibitors at the nation's largest indoor farm machinery show. We'll hear from the folks with AHW, Discount Hydraulic Hoses, S. Cool, Porsche, and Schaefer Lubricants. We'll also talk with AgSafe's Natalie Gupton about food handling safety training. Finally, we'll take you to Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee for the music of traditional country music superstar Tia Goins. You won't want to miss a moment of this one. Let's go. Well, first up this week on Fast Line Fast Track, we spent some time at the National Farm Machinery Show learning about one of Fast Line Fast Track's newest sponsors, AHW LLC. It's a 16-store John Deere dealership in Illinois in Indiana. We'll have them on here periodically to talk all things John Deere from a dealer's perspective. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. And now I'm with Chris Savner, who is the used equipment manager for AHW LLC. Uh, they have a number of dealerships throughout central and northern Illinois and west central Indiana. And Chris, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, Brent. These guys are a, a large John Deere dealer, and we wanted to get into talking about some of the uh, R-Series tractors that you guys have. Yeah, we got um, plenty of used 8Rs. We, we sell a lot of new uh, 8000s, 9000 series tractors, and that generates a lot of used uh, uh, equipment for us, late model stuff. All the way back to the early 8,000s and 9,000s. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense, uh, just in talking to uh, different dealers uh, from around the country here, now that we've had uh, in the, the past month or so an announcement about things moving forward in China, uh, we, we see uh, USMCA getting wrapped up. Uh, there's maybe some optimism here in the market that there wasn't 12 months ago. Yeah, it's it's interesting to uh, watch sales and, and trends. And, and over the last few months, things have been... Uh, pretty strong. Uh, guys have been upgrading, whether it's a late model uh, used uh, 8,000 or even a new one, uh, and all the way through the, the life cycle of the tractors. It's been pretty strong uh, recently. Mm-hmm. And, and some of the newer uh, late, late model used tractors now, you're getting into to stuff that has more of the bells and whistles and uh, may, maybe is a bit more affordable than some of the newer units. Yeah. You know, John Deere just introduced the new series of 8,000 series tractors, and, and that drain, generates a lot of excitement on the new side, but it also kind of brings along the market on the used side, too, It's and, and customers are upgrading to those one-year-old, two-year-olds for technology. A lot of it is technology, um, and it's a newer tractor, uh, more, maybe more features on it as well. Mm-hmm. And aside from uh, for, from new and used, uh, I would imagine parts and service are a big uh, part of what you guys do. Yeah, it seems like uh, the shops are, we got more work and we can get done sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. uh, just for whether it's combines or tractors. Everybody's getting ready, um, whether they're, they're buying or whether they're just fixing up what they have for another spring. They, they, they know their window's getting tight and they're getting ready for it. Well, you 
kind of led me into my next question. That window is starting to get tight now. We are uh, recording this here in the middle of February. Time is ticking before uh, folks are going to start getting out in the field. What are some of the things that they should be thinking about now to make sure that they're prepared uh, come planting season? Um, just get everything ready, whether it's um, getting all your software updated on your tractors or your, or your planters, uh, getting all the, you know, the operation center, we use the operation center, getting your field boundaries and all your prescriptions, get all that ready to go. So that's one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is just make sure your, your equipment is ready to go, minimize your downtime. That's, that's a key for them as a customer, and it's really kind of key for us as an organization that we can help them out better if they're prepared. Mm-hmm. So as a company now going forward for the rest of 2020, what, what are some of the big things that are on your radar? Um, we just uh, continue to work with guys to upgrade their equipment and uh, really focus on, uh, for us as a dealership, from all throughout their operation, whether it's uh, on the computer or whether it's the equipment themselves. We try to help them out in all aspects of their business, be their partner. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned uh, making sure you, you get software, firmware, everything you need to updated and, and ready to go so it's all in good working order and everything is talking to uh, one another here as you, as you get out into the field so you don't run into any really time uh, wasting scenarios or any costly issues and I would imagine that you've got guys that are ready uh, to, to, to help walk folks through it. Yeah, we do. We have uh, uh, from our sales staff to our technicians to we have a call center for our customers that can call in and, and they will. They'll call in it's amazing. Right after Farm Machinery Show, in our area, guys are starting to think about spring, and they're coming in and getting filters, or they're calling in, and, and they're actually out in their tractor with their planter hooked up at the end of February, trying to get everything ready to go uh, and be prepared. And I, I, we recommend that. Just get everything ready to go. That's excellent. And if folks want to know more about uh, what you're doing, where can they go to learn more? The best place for all of our stuff is to go ahwllc.com. Uh, check out our website, whether it's used equipment, um, or technology uh, options, you can just go there and find the range. It's a, a very well done website. Uh, you can find everything you need there and uh, answers a lot of your questions and what you can't find out there. Pick up the phone and give these guys a call. Very knowledgeable and willing to help you out uh, and uh, address those issues when they arise. But uh, uh, we're, we're going to bring Chris and, uh, and his folks from HW on here periodically to, uh, uh, to talk all things John Deere uh, over the coming months here. John Deere makes a lot of announcements. I know my email inbox gets uh, crowded with announcements for, from John Deere practically weekly. They've got something new going on, and you guys are, are on top of all of it. Yeah, uh, we we do get a lot of this, uh, new items in our area just because it's a lot of corn and beans. Uh, we had a customer run the new 8RX last year, uh-huh. so we kind of had some firsthand information and knowledge about that, and, and that was cool. The, the guys at the store got to see it, and, and local customers kind of got to see it a, a bit once in a while. And, and so we're going we to we worry about everything from the new to all the way through the older stuff. And if you're not familiar with that, that's the new uh, 
a fixed frame four track tractor that uh, they've been bringing to all the shows here. We just saw it down in Austin, Texas at the American Farm Bureau Federation convention. And uh, as I was buzzing through the show yesterday, I actually did walk past there. And now what stands out in my mind about that is I, I saw a guy who is uh, literally uh, in between the cab and the track, uh, practically <laughs> diving down into it uh, to, to check out uh, some of the nuances of, uh, of the build. And I, I thought that was, I mean, I guess if you want to understand what you're dealing with, uh, he, he was nose deep in that thing. Yeah, I mean, most of the customers, uh, the public haven't seen haven't seen one, so uh-huh. this is a chance for them to see it. He, he was getting probably the most thorough inspection <laughs> it's seen by yeah. by a customer, but uh, that's good. That's uh, that's why they're here. Yeah, you know, to check them out. They kind of see that stuff and and. Uh, amount of, if, if they're a customer, a row crop customer in our area, I mean, they, they want to plant in a hurry, uh-huh. and that's one way that I think can help yeah. them get out there earlier or, or longer or faster or whatever it may be and, and well, get it in the ground. With a lot of these machines, if you got a chance to see them here or if you didn't get a chance to see them here and you do want to check them out, make sure you get to the dealerships there, HW. Uh, they, they, they've got a lot of uh, inventory there. They'll let you uh, get up close and kick the tires and, and get familiar with it and uh, and hopefully uh, you take home some new green yeah that would be ideal for us <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what chris we'll let you go because i know you've got uh, a busy run here at the show but uh, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to join us here on, on fast line fast track and we look forward to more conversations with you here in the future all right thank you well, next up this week, we learn about Philadelphia-based Discount Hydraulic Hose. The company sells custom hose assemblies, hose and tubing, hose fittings, quick disconnects, fittings, adapters, and more. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Now it's my honor and privilege to bring in Blake Mogul, who is in sales with Discount Hydraulic Hose. They're based out of Philadelphia, PA. And uh, Blake, welcome in. Hey, thanks for having me. So you guys, uh, just like your name says, a discount hydraulic hoses and uh, you, you are heavy into the ag industry trucking industry and so forth tell us a bit about it so we started as a brick and mortar company in philadelphia about 60 years ago um, probably about 10 or 15 years ago we got into the e-commerce game because that's where the market's going and it's just getting bigger and bigger each year um, we specialize in uh, hoses and fittings custom hose assemblies is probably one of the biggest parts of our business right now but uh Let's do quick disconnects, ball valves, and a lot of stuff in between, and uh, we save people money consistently, and that's why I keep coming back. <laughs> and what are some of the biggest requests that you get uh, in the ag space? So the two biggest calls I get from uh, farmers out throughout the entire country, coast to coast, is adding second and third functions, like grapples, uh, log splitters, a lot of log splitter calls, especially uh, in the middle of the summer when everybody's getting ready for the winter, but everybody from doing compact tractors all the way up to giant combines, fire suppression kits, everything in between, because we do custom hose every day of the week, five days. I got three full-time hose techs, 20,000 square feet of warehouse, and inventory that you wouldn't believe. Your local shop cannot beat me. Mm-hmm. And uh, like you were saying, uh, outside of the brick and mortar, you guys are open 24-7. Yeah, the uh, our website's open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, our office is only open five days a week, but we get plenty of orders when we're closed. Uh, if you ever have a question, though, email us, call us. We, we realize you're used to just bringing your hose in, plopping it on the shop counter, and the guy tells you what you need but we want you to be educated and understand what you're actually buying so you can do it over and over again 
We consistently see savings with 30 to 50% on custom hose assemblies, whether you need JIC, NPT, O-ring boss, or metric, or British Standard Pipe Parallel. We have a huge inventory of fittings and hoses ready for you. So you guys are soon to be getting out into the field with planters, sprayers, so forth. Uh, they, they've been uh, put up for the winter. They're going to come out and they're going to have some issues. What are some of the things that they should be thinking through as they get ready for another season? Well, you always want to inspect your hoses, see what's worn out, see what didn't really weather the season that well. Um, mate, preventative maintenance is the number one most overlooked thing that a smart farmer would really take into consideration because your hose is going to break on a Sunday afternoon when no shops open, not even me. You can avoid that if you change your hoses at the beginning of the season. Not every season, maybe every two or three years, but visual inspection, same way you do with your tires on your car or anything else. So a little bit of thinking at the beginning of the season will save you a headache at the end because when it really matters. Sure. You see a lot of things in uh, your line of work. What, what, what are some of the things that uh, uh, tend to surprise you from time to time? Um, so we sell crimping machines, too. That's not the focus of our business, but, of course, we do it because we sell boat holes and fittings to everybody from Napa to O'Reilly. I'm selling to everybody you're probably buying from. Um, one of the most surprising calls I got, there was a gentleman, not ag-related, but he wanted to buy a hose crimper to make paintball lines, 316s paintball lines. He was making special stuff, bought a very expensive machine. I was surprised he even wanted to do it. I had to get a special dye for him to do such a small line. But uh, hydraulic hoses isn't limited to ag, but it's probably about 70% of our business, honestly. Uh, so uh, to a certain extent, if you can dream it up, uh, you can get it done. Oh, yeah. The, the possibilities are endless. Uh, I work with plenty of companies making test stands, a lot of big companies I can't even talk about because they, they don't want to know they're buying for discount hydraulic hose. It's a silly name, but I promise the prices are virtually unbeatable. And if you found a better deal, give me a shot. I'm always trying to make it make sense for you. So if any of this is resonating with you, make sure you go check them out at DiscountHydraulicHose.com. Again, that's DiscountHydraulicHose.com. And, Blake, we sure appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line fast track oh hey it was a great time i love the farm machinery show it's one of my favorite things to do every year well man we appreciate it and we hope we can have you back at some point maybe we can get uh, more hose tails from you oh it sounds great thank you well, next, we had a chance to spend some time with another Fast Line Fast Track sponsor while at the show, S. Hool Manufacturing. The Canadian company makes rock buckets, rock pickers, rock rakes, land levelers, and snow moving equipment. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show, Louisville, Kentucky. Now, it's my pleasure to welcome in Frank Sarazen, who's a representative with S. Hool, or you might know him around here as Shul. A bunch of different pronunciations, but anyway, you get them, they've got a great product. Frank, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, thank you. It's I'm glad to be here. First time out to Louisville, and this is a blast. Plenty of people out here. Great show. This is uh, where we're doing this interview on day three of the show. What has stood out about this show for you guys? People's uh, initial knowledge and interest in our leveling products. Mm -hmm. we're, we're big in landforming, land leveling. We've been doing it for 25 years. Uh, our latest generation, our fourth generation machine that we are showcasing here at the show. Uh, it's gotten plenty of attention, so we're quite quite enthused with that. And we're happy that uh, Americans everywhere dealing with uh, surface water issues are looking to us to help alleviate those pains and problems that they're living through. Mm -hmm. So to uh, take a little step back, tell us about the history of the company here. 
We've been building uh, rock forks, rock buckets, uh, rock rakes for 25 years. We've been leveling land, and of course, since we're Canadians, we've been dealing with snow all that time. So those are the types of products that we do and we do best. And those products might get a little bit lonely here in the southeast, but uh, uh, in other parts of the country, uh, hugely popular. They sure are, yes. And uh, the, uh, the approach that we've taken to it is to ensure that we get it done in a timely manner. Uh, everybody has to deal with snow and has to deal with it fast. So we keep people on the road. So tell us a bit about how in the States here that the, the product is, uh, gets to the customer. We're selling through a dealer network. Obviously, we're working at expanding that dealer network. We already have uh, agent representation throughout the U.S. We have distributors that we work through, and uh, we're getting the product in uh, directly from Canada, and in some instances, final assembly in, at locations. What are some of the common questions that folks have been through this booth with the last couple of days asking? Well, of course, the GPS technology required to make the most use of our land leveling, land forming equipment is, is a concern. People are interested in hearing more about it and obviously seeing it out in the field. So the, the interest is there. Uh, the knowledge base needs to grow. And uh, as GPS is uh, growing more and more in every, everybody's day-to-day -day, uh, farming business, uh, GPS leveling is going to be the next step folks want to know more about the products here, how can they find out more about you? Uh, they can w visit our website, www.shoule.com, and uh, we'll, we'll answer any calls, obviously. So make sure you go check those guys out, S-H-O-U-L-E.com. We've been talking with uh, Frank Sarazen. We sure appreciate you taking the time to join us. Thank you very much. Well, next up, Horsch has been a longtime trusted name in the agriculture industry. And while at the National Farm Machinery Show, we had a chance to hear from the maker of tillage, seeding, spraying tools, and auger wagon. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. And now it's my pleasure to bring back Jeremy Hughes, who's the product manager with Mapleton, North Dakota-based Horsch. And uh, Jeremy, welcome in. Yep, thank you very much. Uh, we had a chance to chat about this time last year at the National Farm Machinery Show, and uh, you guys have gotten your yourselves into a whole bunch since then, including uh, an announcement here today as we tape this about uh, uh, some new products coming forth, and including a new planter. Yep, absolutely. So here at National Farm Machinery Show 2020, we've got the new Maestro SV planter that we're launching here. Um, in the past, I'd say six, seven years that we've been in the planter business, we've been focused primarily on like the larger frame planters, our 60-foot, big 40-foot planters, uh, big capacities on those, you know, for big broad acres, but we also see a huge market potential out there for that what we call that 12 and 16 row marketplace and that's where SV comes in packing all the same agronomic benefits as its big brother just in a smaller package so I have to ask because I've heard of others talking about trying to dial back and, and, and serve that smaller niche what, what, what gives there? We see you know there's there's all kinds of different makeups of farms that are here in North America and for that fact all across the world and there's a lot of profitable farms out there today that aren't farming the huge acres like we see in, in, in certain areas. Um, and today, that customer base is looking for more efficiencies themselves, looking for newer technologies. And that's where we're coming in with, like, say, Maestro SV, for example, and some other products that we're coming down the line with. Um, we're also 
also finding too that bigger isn't always better. Sure. You know, there's been a lot of what I call monster machines that have been built over the years that at the end of the day, yeah, I might have a 90-foot machine in the field, but I've also got to maneuver around slew holes. Yeah. I've got to keep it not getting stuck. Uh, and then i got to find a home for it when I'm ready to treat it too. Sure. So what else is on the horizon here for the company this year? Well, beyond Maestro SV, we've got two new ventures that we're going into here later in the year. Um, we actually had a launch at Agritechnica here back in November over in Germany of a new mechanical weeding line. Um, we talked about the topics here of you know farmers looking at some of the smaller equipment. We've also got a huge topic around the world today about weed control. Uh, Roundup resistances out there, chemical resistances, and looking at what tools can we put in a toolbox to be more sustainable in that. And uh, of, of all the products that we had showed there at Agritechnica back in November, U.S. producers, Canadian producers coming back, that was the hottest topic was we want to see this in the field. So we'll be showing these new products in the mechanical weed controlling sector this year in July at our farm in Downs, Illinois, where we do our Ag Vision Days down there the last week of July. What, what kind of crowd do you usually bring for that? At the Ag Vision Farm, we bring in a lot of local producers that are there, but we also have a lot of our dealers and distributors across the country bring in customers. So we have a lot of people from Western Canada coming in. We'll have people this year from Eastern Canada coming in, Southern U.S., Western U.S. And um, it's fun to bring them all into one location. We've got about 160 acres there. We've got a full-time manager who does a phenomenal job maintaining the farm. I mean, it's just everything is just to a T. But we also use it as a learning tool and, and doing practical farming. What, what, what can I do to be more profitable? And today we go back to this whole... You know, having an economically sustainable farm, we all know crop prices are low. And if we're growing corn and soybeans today, you know, so is the neighbor, so is the neighbor's neighbor on down the line. To be profitable, you have to differentiate yourself. you got to do something different. And what we see today is there's a huge discussion and even some type of, uh, in some areas I would call kind of a, a um, uh, underground movement per se, of farmers either asking about or already starting to transition into organic. And it's not from a standpoint of trying to save the world. It's from a standpoint of trying to save the farm yeah. and to bring some profitability there. What we want to do as Horsch is, is we want to come in and be able to offer a full planting, seeding, mechanical weed control technology and tillage line that would fit that mold for that market sector because today there is really no company out there that we see that's offering a full package where a person could go in and have basically an organic or a hybrid setup. Mm -hmm. And if all that is appealing to anybody here listening, how do they go about learning more about it? If you go to www.horse.com, we'll have sign-ups there here within the next month for those field days, and then we'll also have a specific organic and hybrid farming field day that Saturday in between the show. Mm -hmm. So make sure you go check those guys out, horse.com, and uh, learn all you can about this because they have got uh, a full suite of products here that uh, uh, really uh, take care of everything that, as you were saying, that... Uh, yeah. Well, and in 2022, or in 2020 as well, uh, not only do we have the mechanical weeding line, but also we'll be bringing over our, or basically launching our sprayer okay. product line here in the North America. We'll be starting with that up in Western Canada here this summer in July. But uh, we'll be bringing over some very unique technologies when it comes to the application sector of uh, crop protection products. That's exciting stuff. All kinds of cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> enough to keep you busy, right? Hey, it keeps us out of trouble. So from, from what you're seeing here now that uh, uh, we, we've got uh, USMCA behind us, it uh, uh, looks like China is moving mm -hmm. forward. Are you, from where you sit, are you starting to see some optimism uh, among among farmers, among dealers? Is the logjam starting to break a little bit? We're seeing that. 
And I think there's been a lot of good things that's happened, you know, from a government standpoint, from a trade standpoint here in the past few weeks. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, personally, I guess taking off my horse shirt here, I see that moving forward very rapidly because we've we got another crop season coming up here. But we also see um, a lot of producers today um, starting to think about the 2020 crop season. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but we did a lot of damage in the field getting 2019 harvest done. Yeah. And it's from here in Kentucky up through the corn belt all the way back home where I live out in North Dakota. I got a lot of neighbors today have got between four to 800 acres of corn still in the field. We got to get that off before we even get 2020 planted. We got a lot of damage from combine ruts, truck ruts in the field. And now we've got to start thinking about what do I got to do to get prepared to put a seed in the ground at the right depth in the right environment at the right time. And we got a lot of work ahead of us here in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Mm -hmm. But if you need a partner to get it done, make sure you go check these guys out, horse, horse horse.com. And Jeremy, we really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule here at the show to uh, uh, stop by and chat with us about it. Thank you very much. Appreciate it as well. Well, long before there were automobiles, St. Louis-based Schaefer Lubricants was making lubricants that have been a staple on farms across the country. While at the National Farm Machinery Show, we had a chance to learn more about the company and its vast product line. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville, Kentucky. Now I'm here with Taylor Reif, who is a national agronomist with Schaefer Specialized Lubricants out of St. Louis, Missouri. Taylor, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you. So for the folks who are unaware, tell us a bit about Schaefer's history here. Yeah, so Schaefer's is, we're the oldest lubrication manufacturer in North America. We've been around, uh, based out of St. Louis since 1839. So I've been in business for over 180 years. Among the the great product lineup, you guys also do crop enhancements. Tell us a bit about what you offer and why folks should be looking toward you guys if they're looking for crop enhancements. Sure. So Schaefer's were known, as I mentioned, for high-quality lubricants. I mean, oil screases, hydraulic fluids, gear oils, uh, fuel additives, you name it. But as well, uh, we have a line of petroleum-based surfactants, uh, so non-ionic surfactants, spreader stickers that are known for you know heating up herbicides, heating up pesticides, fungicides, insecticides, just increase the efficacy of your chemicals. So you can increase the efficacy of that chemical. And I mean, typically we're just outright replacing whatever spreader sticker or surfactant farmers have been using. And being a petroleum-based surfactant, it's a little lower use rate product and it's quite a bit hotter, so it's going to heat up the chemical, give you a little bit better herbicide control, uh, weed control, give you a better fungicide uh, control, insect kill, you name it, just increasing the efficacy of your chemical program as it stands today. And what are some of the common things when when folks are investigating this that they want to know about your product? Sure. So the big question with all farmers right now is, you know, what does it cost? We are less expensive as a surfactant. It's going to save you some money compared to most surfactants because just about all your spreader stickers on the market float around that $2 an acre market or more uh, for some of the newer, more recent surfactants. We're going to be under a dollar an acre, and uh, post-emerge, you're going to be actually under about 30 cents an acre. So it's incredibly, incredibly cost-effective. So that's number one, right? Because I don't know about you, but I like saving money. So good thing to consider as far as just outright saving money. It's a tried and true proven product. Schaefer's has had our surfactant wet sol for almost 50 years. And I'm sure you're familiar that 
I mean, agrochemicals don't last that long in agriculture if they don't work, because if something doesn't work, all of a sudden, you know, two years later, the entire county knows about it. But if something works really well, well, by God, that's, that's my secret. That's the thing that makes me, you know, competitive with land rent or whatever it might be. But yeah, so saving a little bit of money, getting better, you know, weed control, fungal kill, insect control, you name it. What, what about in uh, some of these wet conditions like we've seen over the last couple of years? What kind of questions do you get about that and, and how can you answer those? Sure. So with wet conditions, like if we get another year like 2019 that's just super, super wet, I mean, fungal disease is going to be a little bit higher uh, as well. Uh, we had actually designed wet sol, our surfactant, back in the day as a soil penetrant. So reducing that surface tension of the water, it'll help allow that water actually get down into the soil uh, to reduce that you know, standing water on the surface as well. Once we get that water down into the surface, we have, as I said, decades of data showing that it helps reduce compaction, increase water infiltration. So if you're increasing the water infiltration of the soil using a good soil penetrant like wet sol, you're gonna have less compaction from that water, less erosion, so you're keeping your topsoil where it needs to be, and, and uh, not having a year like 2019 where things just keep continuously getting drowned out. So using wet sol at some of the higher label rates, helping get that water into the soil, uh, increasing the mass flow, how fast water moves through the soil and how fast it carries nutrients through the soil can actually get some yield gains there as well as just reducing that soil compaction, increasing the water infiltration. So, yeah. Well, if folks want to know more about it or have any questions about it based on what they've heard here, where do they go? They can go to SchaeferOil.com and we have icons at the top to either find a Schaefer retailer or a Schaefer sales representative that could come out and speak specifically to their operation to show where we can give them returns on investment and save them some money. Excellent. Great stuff. Taylor, we appreciate you taking the time to join us here on Fast Line Fast Track. Thank you, Brent. And finally, this week, while at the show, we had a chance to catch up with Natalie Gupton with AgSafe. The Modesto, California-based nonprofit provides practical health and safety education to the farm community. Back on Fast Line Fast Track from the National Farm Machinery Show, Louisville, Kentucky. And now it's my pleasure to bring in Natalie Gupton, who's the Director of Business Services and Industry Relations for AgSafe Food and Farms. They're based in Modesto, California, but she's actually based here in Louisville. Kentucky, and we get a chance to catch up with her every now and again. And Natalie, welcome into Fast Line Fast Track. Well, glad to be here, Brent. And so AgSafe uh, does a lot of consulting work around the country uh, with, with not only uh, farms, but also uh, uh, producers, and uh, uh, they, they deal with everything, OSHA compliance, uh, uh, safety training, and, and so much more. Tell us uh, a bit more about uh, about the mission and uh, uh, what you guys do on a day to day. Sure. Sure. So AgSafe has their hand in a lot of things. Um, our mission is to provide practical health and safety training to the agricultural community. So with that, we do everything from human resources to compliance, as well as a little bit in food safety. And uh, one of the things that, uh, that you guys have been focusing on a lot uh, here lately is food safety training videos that uh, uh, really uh, take folks deeper into some of the things that, that they may know, may not know, may know but uh, ignore, uh, or may not understand. Yes, yes. So with um, the passage of the Food Safety Modernization Act that came into effect um, 
well, that was passed several years ago, and we're coming into full enforcement for no matter what farm size you're on. Um, and we do a lot of work with the produce safety role and ensuring that farms are ready and prepared to um, have their folks trained um, and ready um, to send their, their food to market or those that they have contract with if they have fresh, fresh fruits and vegetables. Mm-hmm. And what are some of the things that you touch on in, in those trainings? So um, we have provided some training videos that you can help support your training program with your employees that touch on um, the produce safety role and a bunch of various topics um, in English and Spanish. And we talk about um, what is good agricultural practices and how that uh, influences um, food safety, um, as well as worker health and hygiene your worksite inspections, and your post-harvest sanitation, which um, is a very important part of the produce safety role and ensuring your employees understand how they influence the food safety. Now, when you go out and about and, and you see companies that are, are in various stages of, of this, uh, for the most part, do you get the sense that the folks out there are wanting to do the right things, just don't understand procedures or have never really been uh, educated or enlightened on those? Or? Yes. Just like any any part of agriculture, everybody always wants to do the right thing and make sure that not only their employees are safe, but their the food or the product that they're producing is safe. And um, you know, the legislation with with FISMA um, was a part of that to help ensure that we we make making sure that our food products are safe. What are some of the common questions that, that you guys get as you go out and, and, and do training with folks? Um, so do do I fall under the produce safety rule? So with um, your farm size and the amount of sales that you produce um, is what dictates that. And there's a lot of different nuances of whether you fall under that. Um, and so you can find uh, that information clearly online um, in the, with the Produce Safety Alliance um, is one of the, the main sources of information that we recommend. Well, I tell you what, uh, if you want to know more about that, if, you, if you're in that arena and you need uh, some guidance, make sure you go look, look up the folks at AgSafe because they do uh, just a yeoman's job of, of educating and uh, they're up on the latest regulations in uh, not only federal but uh, various states where, you, where you're working on and uh, uh, definitely a resource you should be tapping into. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And um, for those videos in English and Spanish, uh, it's available on our website at agsafe.org um, and readily available and easy to access. Well, make sure you go check them out again, agsafe.org. And we've been speaking with Natalie Gupton, the Director of Business Services and Industry Relations. And Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us here on Fast Sign Fast Track. Glad to be here. Thank you. And now we want to take you to Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee, for the music of traditional country music star Tia Goins, presented by the legendary Ernest Tubb Record Shop, 417 Broadway, in the heart of downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Tia has been a regular on RFD TV's Country's Family Reunion and has appeared many times on the Grand Ole Opry and Larry's Country Diner. Her approach to true country music made her a favorite of some of the legends in the business who have taken her under their wing. We'll talk about that and more now. Back on Fast Sign Fast Track from the legendary Hank Snow Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee. And boy, do I have a real treat for you guys today. Tia Gones. Tia has uh, really uh, been one of them that's carried the mantle for true traditional country music now for a number of years. And Tia, welcome to Fast Sign Fast Track. And thank you so much for being a part of it. Thank you for the invitation. 
invitation just to be here at the Rainbow Ranch is uh, it's pretty cool. You got some pretty cool digs here. It's unbelievable. Yeah, you know, uh, as we're recording this, we're a couple weeks past Christmas, but it feels like Christmas yeah. all over again here. Just yeah. being here for anybody that appreciates the history of country music like we do, uh, man. I, I mean, I get emotional just thinking about Absolutely. it. Thinking about the people that have passed through these doors here—not just Hank Snow, but uh, Hank Williams and Ernest Tubb, and and uh, I'm sure Johnny Cash had been through here, and Elvis, yeah. and wow. so many people. If, if these walls could talk, I, that's a true story. There's a lot of history. Unbelievable. Here. And uh, you, you grew up in uh, rural Missouri, Lowry City, Missouri, not far from Kansas. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, you, you got your start at an early age. Tell us about it. I did. Well, I started singing uh, when I was about three years old. Uh, did my first solo in church and that kind of stuff, which led to talent shows and led to things like that. And uh, when I was eight, I was in a talent show at a little country music show uh, that was near where we lived called the Truman Lake Opry. <laughs> and uh, after I was in that talent contest, they called me the following summer and asked if I would like to be a full-time member of that group. So as a second grader, you know, um, to make a commitment like that and mm. be somewhere every weekend, it w- I was like, yeah, because all I ever wanted to do was sing on the Grand Ole Opry. So that was as close as I could get at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, so I ran with it, and uh, I did that from the time I was eight until I was 19. So now you didn't have social media like Mason mm. Ramsey. Had you had that, and who knows where things right? would be right could now. Right, it could have been a big deal. But, uh, yeah, we didn't have any kind of social media, but uh, luckily I had my mom. She was my, my first manager and PR person, so uh-huh. she and I would go, and we would hang flyers up all over town and let people know where we were singing and doing things like that. So, but yeah, social media would have for sure been helpful. And the Truman Lake Opry was no slouch. Uh, I was reading, uh, you'd had the chance to open up for Bill Anderson, little Jimmy Dickens and grandpa Jones. So some pretty heavyweights. It was, it was really cool. Um, for a kid who was, like you said, we're both such history buffs into this music. And this was in the late eighties, early nineties when, you know, I didn't know, any rock and roll acts. I didn't even know they existed, like Madonna and those kind of people. I didn't know who that was. So I was really excited in third grade when I came to school and told them I'd open for Grandpa Jones. You know, <laughs> and everybody was like, who? You know, but um, I, that was just, that was a real uh, opportunity for me. It was about a 600 seat theater. We had a live band, we had a live audience there, and we had Nashville acts that would come through every now and then and do a show, mm-hmm. and we would get to open the shows for them. Um, so just being able to have that experience, it was a really good training ground for somebody like me who was wanting to do this. And you, job. And you did that until you were 17? Yeah, actually, I did that, oh gosh, I think I was eight, yeah, 18 or 19. I did it for oh. a long time, mm-hmm. long time. And ha- how did that path then move from there to Nashville? I moved to Nashville right after college. Um, I decided to, you know, get a degree and have something to fall back on if I needed uh, it. What, what was your degree? <laughs> uh, I got an associate's degree in human services. Okay. So it was pretty like the most basic thing you could get. But it was, yeah, I, it was fine. I had a, I had a scholarship, so that's what I did. Uh, but I moved to Nashville, um, and I was here for a few years, and uh, I got a job at WSM Radio, um, which was, again, a dream job that I could have never fallen into any more than I did. Um, I started working in their promotions department, you know, handing out bumper stickers and stuff like that. And then... um, about two years into it, they wanted to teach me some production. So I said, okay, I'll learn how to produce. And so they showed me, you know, the boards and everything. And they said, no, we need you to produce the Grand Ole Opry warm-up show. Mm-hmm. So for about three years, every Saturday night, I was backstage at the Opry 
running talent for Keith Bilbrey on the Opry warm-up show. Yeah. So I would produce the show and go get the artists and bring them on and whatever. And that was a dream come true experience for me because I got to meet so many of my heroes. And what was really funny about it is that most of the people that were at the Opry that were singing there, they didn't know that I was trying to be a musician. They just knew I was the girl that worked at the radio station, mm-hmm. you know. And so... Um, one night after an event, we went to the station in uh, to see the Time Jumpers play, mm. and uh, Rick Van Aw was playing drums for them at the time, and he saw me in the audience and was like, hey, get her up to sing, because he and I knew each other, and so they called me up, and I did a couple of songs with them, and when the show was over, uh, my manager and producer, Terry Choate, he was managing them at the time, and he came up to me after the show, and he was like my name's Harry Choate and we need to make a record. And I was like, wow. Okay. And so it, it happened really, it seems like it took a long time, but it happened really quickly once it happened. Um, and one of the first songs that we recorded was a song called Walk Out Backwards. It was written by Bill Anderson. Yeah. And uh, I remember Bill getting the the demo that we'd done of it, you know, the recording. And he came to me one night at the Opry and was like, I didn't know that this was you. Like, I didn't, I hadn't put two and two together. And it was just, it was cool because it, it made those friendships out there really organic because they didn't know me as someone trying to make it in the music business. They just knew me as you know, somebody out there doing their job, and, and it was kind of a cool thing. So uh, one of the things that I've kind of observed over the years in, in watching your career is just how you, you kind of gravitated to some of those legends and how they have really welcomed you with open arms. I think they see so much of that throwback and what they came up with in you. Yeah, and I'm really, really thankful for that. Um, so many of those artists played such a role in who I am and the, the kind of music that I do and, and everything. And, and to have their, um, I don't know what you want to call it, I guess their respect as an artist, for them to, to reach out and, and welcome me in. Um, I've been a part of the Country's Family Reunion on mm-hmm. RFD TV, and the cast of the people on there, as you know, are every country music legend you can think of. And to just be in the room, let alone Surreal. be part of the room. Yeah, it, it really is. And the first time I ever performed with that, you know, I was scared to death because I was like, ah, ah, what am I doing here? And they welcomed me in and have continued to do so, and they've just been fantastic. And it's, it's been a really great thing to have friendships with the people that you've always looked up to. Mm-hmm. Well, you say, uh, uh, what, what are you doing here? But uh, I, I can tell you, every time I hear your name brought up in conversations, I, I go back to, uh, man, six or seven years ago, um, big vinyl collector and was standing in a record store and just browsing through the, mm-hmm. the crates and uh, uh, older guy had uh, come up to me, just started striking up a conversation as we were going through these crates. And he, he was uh, really bemoaning the fact that uh, terrestrial country radio had gone a different direction and uh, how much he loved the older stuff. And he said, there's just really not any artists I care for, but have you ever heard of this girl, Tia Goins? And I was like, yeah, I have. I think she, she's phenomenal. He says, she is you know, the best thing going. And uh, you know, as far as artists today that are still playing that music. So wow. every time I, cool. and this was a record store in, in Louisville, Kentucky, <laughs> just a ra- random, random day. I was on my lunch break, just kind of poking oh around. And, uh, That's amazing. People have been so kind. <clears throat> um, we 
were talking before we started about how there's such a hunger for this kind of music for traditional country because you don't hear it on terrestrial radio anymore. Mm-hmm. Not much anyway. Sure. Um, I think there might be a little bit of a starting to turn back a little bit, which is great and I'm happy for that. But what's so wonderful at this day and age is that we do have the internet and we have yeah. social media and we have ways of getting the music to people without having to rely on terrestrial radio, yeah. which is fantastic. And, and those people who are seeking it out, you know, for them to be able to find us, it's, it's really a really cool way to, to make a match that way. Uh, so what do you have on the horizon? Uh, we've actually got a pretty busy year coming up. Uh, we're getting ready to go on the country's family reunion cruise oh, nice. in a couple of weeks. So I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, probably some new music in 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been kind of tossing that around. We're trying to figure out exactly what we're wanting to do there. And, and uh, we've been listening to some songs and that's a long process. Uh, people don't always understand when you say you're getting ready to make a record, they think it's going to come out in, you know, a week or two. (laughs) And it's just, it's a real process. And especially for us, we're really particular. Uh, Terry Choate and I go in and we, you know, just mull through all these songs and whittle it down and whittle it down till we come up with, you know, our top 10 or 12 that we just can't live without. And, Mm -hmm. and it takes time and, and uh, it's really fun. Also the songs that I did here today were all songs that have been written that have not been uh, recorded as far as, you know, because I do some country cover songs. Songs, you know, songs that you've heard before. But those songs are, you know, there are a lot of songwriters that are still writing great traditional country sure. music in town, and it's fun to dig in and find those things, too. Man, I, and all those are gems. I can't wait for everybody to hear those because yeah. they're, they're, they're incredible. Um, so what haven't you done or accomplished yet that you still want to pursue? Oh, gosh. You know, my my initial goal from the time I was a kid was I wanted to sing on the Grand Ole Opry, and I've done that. And honestly, that to me is the top of the heap. Anything that comes on top of that is sort of icing on the cake. Um, I don't know. I, I just I want to tour more. I want to to be able to travel more and see more people. We've we've done some things in Sweden. We've done some stuff in Norway. So I've gotten to see a little bit of the world. I would love to to continue to do things like that and just to get out. And my favorite thing is to meet the people. For instance, on that I meet on social media that I get to know through my Facebook page or my Instagram page. And then you go to a show and you look out in the audience and you recognize people and you're like, Hey, I know them, you know, and to get to see people in real life and just, just connect to people. I think that's what music has always been about. It's been about connecting people. And I'm just like everybody else. I like to be connected to. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's, it's crazy to think how big the traditional country music sound is in Europe and, you know, all those countries, like when we went to Sweden, it was, it was a huge deal. It was a huge festival in Norway that we played and they were so into it. And I'm like, wow, it hasn't been like this in the States since like the early nineties, you know, I mean, yeah. It was, but, but yeah, they're, they're really, really into it. And it's, I'm glad that, that they love it. And hopefully, you know, those people that are over here that love it, they'll, uh, they'll find us and we'll be able to do that here too. Any artists on your bucket list to work with that you want to Oh gosh, I've always I've always wanted to do something with Loretta Lynn. Uh, mm-hmm. She was a huge influence. My grandmother sang, uh, and she was like my grandma's biggest influence. Mm-hmm. And so that just kind of would perpetuate the the circle there. If I would ever get to work with her, I've met her a few times, but I would love to be able to, to do something with her. Uh, well, we can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us here. Thank you for and, the invitation and, and to talk about that. And you're certainly welcome to come on anytime you want to talk traditional country music or, or showcase new music yeah, or, or wherever. We would love to have you, but uh, we're going to get her mic'd up here and let you hear some of these great sounds from Tia Gomes.
Hey, my name is Tia Goins, and I am a traditional country music artist. And the next song that I'm going to do for you, uh, this was on my first album. It's one of my favorite songs uh, that I've ever recorded. It was written by Jim McBride and Jerry Sally. It's called I Don't Do Bridges Anymore. The second time bout did me in. I went back believing we could still end up lovers. Now we can't even be friends. And I don't look back. I don't. just water in a river I won't cross again I'd rather be stranded on some cold lonely shore no I don't do bridges best you can do is move on once you're past the grieving there's no use in leaving a path back to what's dead and gone and I don't look back I don't song that was on my second album. This is a just a really fun kind of Bakersfield type feel of a tune. It's called The World's Biggest Fool.
your pictures off the wall There's nothing left around here at all To remind me of when we were together Yeah, life is perfect every day There ain't a thing that I would change And I hope that it stays like this forever And if you believe that you'll believe anything So while I've got your undivided attention I think I've discovered the truth One of us is the world's biggest fool Ben Hall, by the way. He's fabulous. Now I blame you and you blame me. Thanks to all that therapy. Now we say that we're through with one another. Well, I hope the house is doing fine. No, I still haven't changed my mind. You know how much I love living with my mother. And if you believe that you'll believe anything, so song uh, from my second album. I absolutely fell in love with this song the first time I heard it, and it's wonderful to know that there's still great country music like this being written. This is called Loving You Makes Leaving Easy. You've 
the incredible music of Tia Gones, accompanied on guitar by the great Ben Hall. Please go hear more of her music and check out her latest tour schedule at TiaGones.com. And while you're out there on the internet, make sure you take care of all your farm equipment needs on FastLine.com. Check out the equipment locator with the price comparison tool featuring the Iron Average powered by Iron Solutions. Are you following FastLine Fast Track on social media yet? Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and add our Spotify playlist to your library to hear music from past, current, and upcoming guests of the show, including Tia Gones. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio. Next week, we'll have more of the interviews conducted at the National Farm Machinery Show, as well as the first part of our coverage from Commodity Classic in San Antonio, Texas. If you're headed down to that show, make sure you stop by the Fastline booth and say hi. We'd love to meet you. Next week, we'll also have the music of Richard Lynch, a fan favorite on the traditional music scene, especially down in Texas. He'll be coming to us live from Hank Snow's iconic Rainbow Ranch in Madison, Tennessee. Until next time, it's Brent Adams saying y'all come back and bring along a friend. You've been listening to Fastline Fast Track, presented by Fastline Media Group. To learn more about Fastline's customer-focused marketing solutions, visit Fastline mediagroup.com and check out our brand websites fastline.com bigag.com and pinktractor.com if you have topic suggestions for future podcasts drop us a line at brent.adams at fastline.com something like that